Welcome to Podcast 22 of Racing with RK. This is your host, Randy Kugler. Be sure to check out our website, racingwithrk.com, and enjoy all the podcasts as well as a photo and video gallery with a lot of karting memories. Tonight, we've got an incredibly special guest, one of the true karting legends, Lake Speed. Lake, welcome to the show. Thank you so very much, Randy. Glad to be with you. Uh, this is this is going to be fun, Lake. You've got such a great story to tell, and I can't wait to dig into it. And let's start from the beginning. Uh, explain to the listeners how you were introduced to karting. What's your first memories of karting as a kid? Uh, Christmas morning, everybody's around the house looking, you know, doing the regular Christmas thing, and all of a sudden you hear this wild, loud noise coming, <laughs> and it was a McCullough chainsaw motor on a go kart coming up the street and i ran outside and said what the heck is that and uh you know it's kind of like hmm, i want to i got the neighbor was from you know a couple of blocks away and uh so we went over there and checked this thing out and my interest got started and i started begging and <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to get off that bicycle and get something that had a motor on it you know and uh um, talked my folks into getting me a yard cart you know, they wouldn't give me a racing car because this one, this kid had, you know, the McCullough with a slicks on it and the whole nine yeah. yards. Yeah. So that was my introduction. That was wow. Me. So you started racing, you were in from Mississippi. So you started racing around Jackson somewhere? No, this this is a really part, best part of the story. I, so, so after after I fooled with the yard car a little bit, I wound up with my big brother helped me get a, a racing car. And so the first race I went to was in a town down South Mississippi, and it was the last race they ever had. I went to the go-kart club, had a, they had a kart club there, and I went to their meeting, and it was the last meeting they ever had. Wow. So all of a sudden, here I am, I've got a go-kart, a desired race, and there's nothing in the state of Mississippi. I was fortunate enough, my older brother, would take me, drive me over to Alabama or up to Memphis, like they had cart tracks there. And so that's where I started racing, was had to travel a long way. So I did not get to race very much at all in my early Wow. Days. So there was it nothing, was, or, no, no tracks around you at all? No tracks within 200 miles. You know, wow. It was, uh, Do you remember your was, first win? You know, I really don't, but I, I and, and when I, when I think back about it, after I got your list here, there was a track over in Alabama that uh, would probably be it. Uh, I would think that's probably where I probably won the first race. All asphalt or did you run some dirt too? No, it was all asphalt, all asphalt. All road courses. And, and crazy as it may sound, maybe my second or third race I ever went to, I had twin engines on the thing. <laughs> how, how old were you? Probably 13, 14. Oh my like gosh. That. And uh, so I started out with the twin carts, you know, way, way back there. Wow. And of course, I had the single engine cart too that we ran as well. But believe it or not, I almost for a long time felt like Barnesville was my local track. Yeah. <laughs> Drive all the way from Mississippi to Georgia to go race. But I'd go over there, you know, several times a year. For their club races as well as obviously when they had the uh, winter nationals every year but that got you used to some serious competition though yeah 
Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That, and you got to start and think about when I go up to Murfreesboro, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It was Roger Smith and Lynn Haddock. Yeah, and right. Some of these other names that you've oh, heard yeah. of, that, oh, that, yeah. uh, you've heard of before that I was racing against. And then in Memphis, I had, had some guys there that were uh, pretty sharp too. Yeah, so yeah. We wound up when we did race, we raced against good competition, even though right. we did not get to race that much. You mentioned Lynn Haddock and Roger Smith, and, and uh, Haddock, of course, is a household name in karting, but I will tell you, Roger Smith was a tough cookie, too. I raced against him in B-Limited a few yeah. times, and he was yeah. he was rock solid, for sure. He was yeah, always, always. He did, didn't race as long as Lynn, but but at his in his prime was probably as good. He was, he was really tough. Right, right, yeah. right. So you mentioned Lynn and Roger. How about some other drivers, a couple that maybe – stick in your mind as you started working your way through karting and started running the national level events that always gave you a, a good run when you were out there? Well, all the, all the, all the ones that you've heard of forever, you know, that's who, mm -hmm. who was there. I mean, it, right. Right. Uh, it's kind of interesting. One aspect, I guess, was some of the guys that went on to be really good and really well known were just, just juniors when I was racing. <laughs> right. Scott Pruitt. <laughs> yeah, Scott Pruitt, even Kyle and Tony Atkins were just juniors yep. in 1971. Yeah, uh, I guess no, it was a 71. Was a yeah, 71 when they came up there with the Stingers and whatnot. They was yeah. Well, they 69. I raced against Tony and Kyle at Camden in juniors, and Mark yeah. Dismore was racing juniors back then too. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. so please, when, when you people listen to this, don't start doing the math for me and Lake because it's not going to end yeah. pretty. <laughs> Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> right exactly there was a whole lot of the, of the real heroes of karting yeah. just juniors when when i was running did so, you run some of the pka stuff that gus was doing and jim reed well actually uh i'm not sure i ever ran one of those you know myself and uh lynn i guess was put on the first pro race that was ever held in memphis oh you, know, you did come, yeah we'd come back from europe uh you know so after we'd gone over to europe in uh 73 okay and and we saw this karting at a professional level and came home and thought you know dad gum we ought to have a professional class or whatever yeah. you know and we were just beating our heads against the wall trying to figure out how we could make karting uh a little more uh just a better impression on on spectators and the people that didn't think that much about karting so we said you know let's let's do something so we we got together and put some money together so we'd have a prize for it. And we had it that that year they had the nationals at Memphis, Tennessee was the first time that uh -huh. I guess mm -hmm. they ever had it. Sarah so, Tucker, Sarah so Tucker. We, we put together the first pro race there. Yeah. Then. And, okay. you know, I, I didn't have anything to do with, with the stuff after that. I think Gus and several other people started putting them on individually. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then later they got that PKA uh, group together, I guess. Right. But by that right. time, I was moving on, you know. Gotcha. Started, so I didn't really didn't get so, to be involved with that too much. And, and aside from the world championships, and we'll talk about those in a minute, but as far as karting in the U.S., if, if you had to single out one or two races where you just felt like, man, I, this is the hardest I ever worked or this is the biggest one I've ever had or it just meant the most to you, what, what, would, what would you remember as your biggest wins in the U.S.? Uh, when in the U.S., I, I, 1975 uh, was a, a really good year for us. You know, we went to 
Quincy for the national championships and qualified on the pole and C open, qualified okay. on the pole and B open. Yeah. I think qualified second or something, I think I ran second in the open light class. Uh, set overall track records in both twin engine classes and won all six heats. You know? So who, let me let me let me interrupt you for a second. Who was doing your motors back then? That year, Lamelo was doing. That okay. was the year we had. I, Lamelo had made me an offer after we went to in '73 to buy ourselves to the World Championship and got embarrassed. When we got back, he made me an offer. He said, "If you put away all your Comet stuff and run my help me promote the BM engines, I'll get you some factory support at the World Championship." Okay. Said deal. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'll do that. And so for the next two years, uh, 74 and 75, we ran the BMs and Dan was doing the motors. You know, I freshened them up, stuff like that. But he'd yeah. the motors, you know. And, and would Dan come to the races with you? Oh, yeah. Dan was yeah. always there. So he was he was there with you and tuning and, and helping you with the setup and all that. Well, not not too much with the setup stuff because he had a couple of guys that he that ran out of APCO. So he had his hands full with those guys. I remember one of those guys' name was Williams and Rick Williams. Yeah. Rick Williams. Rick right. was good. Rick, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there was a few others. And then all, you know, he was helping Brown, Jeff Brown. Yeah, Jeff. Road yeah. racing stuff mm -hmm. and everything. So that year 75 was awesome in the fact that I won all those sprint races. And then they had the national championships of road racing, you know, Enduro National Championships was that year and it was at Road Atlanta. Okay. And I thought to myself, you know, that's not that far to drive over there. I don't do any road racing at all, hardly. And I think I'll just drive over there and watch. I didn't even take a helmet or jacket. No, I just, <laughs> yeah. I just got, just drove over there. And I think I actually maybe flew over there and, and got a rental car. But uh, got there and I'm standing around at pits talking to Mello and, you know, and everybody. And, and this guy walks up to me and says, late. This track is way too fast for me. It's scaring me to death. How about you drive my C open cart? And I went, what? Are you kidding me? So I went over to talk to Dan. I said, Dan, this guy's just asked me to drive his C open cart. Uh, is what do you think? He said, it's just like Jeff's. You know, I did the yeah. motors on it. It's yeah. same cart, same everything. He said, go for it. Wow. So I went back and I told him, I said, I had to borrow a helmet and a jacket and all this stuff. And, you know, I'd never been on the racetrack, never made a lap on it before. And they had one more practice session. There was one practice session left. So I jumped on it and took off. I'd been watching these guys go over that, when you leave the pits, go over that hill over there and look like yeah. they were going a pretty good clip. <laughs> yeah. so I went over there. I went over there way too fast. I missed that first turn went yeah. straight through the dirt and all that stuff. Oh. Uh came back down there and I thought, God, man, I better slow down, but take it a little easier here. So I eased on around the track and found my way around and I came back, went up there, got slow through there then. And when I got one out of that first little turn, I gassed it going down through that, you know, they used to put it on TV all the time to show you that little S yeah, turn going down. Right. Hill. I thought, this is the coolest thing I'm going. I went flying <laughs> down through there way too fast. Oh no. Off the track I went, kicked <laughs> that big, big embankment there, flipped the go-kart upside down, folded the right front tire back into the fuel tank, and I'm upside down and both motors are still running and the fuel caps popped off both oh, of them. Oh, no. Soaked in methanol and both motors running. Oh. I thought to myself, you fool, you better get out from one of these things <laughs> to be a torch. 
long story short, pulled a, took the cart back to the garage, you know, and whatever. And I'm apologizing like I can't everything to the man that owned it. And uh, then a little bit craziness set in. And I, said, <laughs> I went over there and I said, if, if I can fix this thing, can I still race it? I said, I've already told him I was going to replace the cart buy him a brand new go-kart, you know, yeah. replace the go-kart. He looked at me and they, everybody laughed at me and said, yeah, go ahead. If you think you can do it, do it. Well, I pulled a bumper jack out from the, from the <laughs> run a car. Yeah. I jacked, jacked that thing back out. Long story short, I won the race. The Come day. on. I won the national championships and see open on. Oh my gosh. So oh my gosh. That was, that was a really good year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, a, that was a hard year to top off with all that happened with that. But, uh, and clearly that's the fastest you ever went oh yeah oh yeah. yeah and that was before they put the little chicane thing at the bottom of that's back when you went down the street right. you went downhill you're already 150 miles an hour probably right. before you started downhill and and, and and back up and underneath the bridge and all around it was cool i started I, dead last and, <laughs> and won the national championship and what i think the the coolest part about that story is the fact you went out there and you had to, you know, feel your way, but you obviously got too aggressive in a couple of the corners. Oh yeah. And and crashed it. But you learn from that. You go back out in the back end and kind of work your way through yep. and kind of learned as you as you went. But I'm guessing by the time you got towards the front, you had that track figured out. Oh yeah. It was it was smoking then. Lamello's car Lamello's uh BM one thirties back then were bad to yeah, bone. Right. Bad to bone. How about how about drafting? What'd you think about that? Oh yeah, that's you know, you you learn quick. You yeah. know, when when you see somebody in front of you, and all of a sudden you you're you're catching up to them a whole lot faster than you, <laughs> right. thought, than you were <laughs> oh, back gosh, there when yeah. you were further back. You see, yeah, you know, hey, exactly. Pretty cool. And I was yep. passing. You know, I passed a whole lot of people, so you got to yep. you got to learn a lot. You know, it was, yeah, exactly. it was a great experience. It was a great. Experience. Well, mo most people know there may not be, there may be some that don't, but most people in racing, not just in karting, know what you accomplished with the world championships. But I just, I just want people to understand having an American back in the seventies, winning the world championships of karting was next to impossible. It just didn't happen. We, Americans weren't even competitive when they went over. And I know, you know, I had Lynn on the show last year. He talked about the challenges you guys had leading up to the year you won, but kind of give us an overview of what you guys went through to, to get to where you were finally to the point of being competitive and obviously having a shot to win. Well, really what it all boiled down to, uh, Randy, is you had to make a commitment to go one way or the other. And you know, I'd, I'd had a lot of success and karting here in the States already. I've won a lot of races, you know, all different classes and whatever. So when I went over there, I really went over there thinking I was going to destroy him. I, I really did. I, I got, <laughs> yep. That year, 73, I'd, I'd had a really good year. My 100cc stuff was bad fast. I yeah. set a track record on the first time I'd go out on a new track, just warming up, trying to get just get comfortable with the track, usually set a new track record just in practice. And uh, so I went over there thinking I was going to really destroy these people that didn't know what a clutch was. And, you know, 
but they they really embarrassed me and it, it was, <laughs> you know i didn't even make the main event the first year over there well so, and, and let's get back to a second what you said the, the people that didn't know what a clutch was so you went over there with a clutch but you're racing against direct drive everybody over there had direct drive right and so it you know a lot of carters now have can't even imagine racing with direct drive but what was the advantage in those setups of having direct drive well it's, it's, a, it's everything's always a combination. It's not just one thing, but the direct drive situation with theirs, uh, me the biggest difference. Biggest difference is their weight limits were a lot lighter than ours. That's one big thing. Next thing is they ran gasoline only. You couldn't run alcohol or, you know, any fuel. Okay. So now you're, you're put a lightweight and gasoline. So you took away some of the stuff that helped. Well, there was the lightweight helped them, obviously. Yeah. The gasoline hurt me. Mm -hmm. But what really showed up on the racetrack was the designs of their racetrack are typically a whole lot of wiggles yeah. and then a long then a long straightaway. Yeah. And so we knew we were going to be bad bone in a long straightaway. And especially we thought was going to be really tough when you came out of the 180 degree turn at the end of the straightaway and took off. We figured we we're going to be really good there. And we weren't terrible there, but we weren't any better than they were. Mm -hmm. And then when you got to the wiggles, every time you lift out of the throttle and go back to the throttle, they'd gain a cart link on you. Wow. Because every time you had that clutch lag just like turbo lag mm -hmm. they had none yeah it was instant instant they, power they going just like that yeah. so they just they put a half cart link on you every time every time you came to a little switchback somewhere wow okay and so we wind up taking the clutch off our cart finding the lowest port motor i'd brought and tried to build something you know kind of come up with a combination it had a little more torque you know and whatever got one of their exhaust pipes and whatever we did everything we could of what we had and we missed the main event by two spots i think mm -hmm. like 30 second out of 100 some mm -hmm. odd drive mm -hmm. but when i got back it was kind of like all right are we gonna just go home and play like this never happened or are <laughs> we gonna go home and go to work and come back and it, it didn't take us very long at all to figure out that we weren't going to do it with our equipment yeah. So, uh, we started, I started, I just made a commitment. I'm going to start running direct drive. All my single engine stuff, I'm going to run direct drive. Even though I knew I was going to be at a terrible advantage, disadvantage. Right. But it paid off. And I just kept, kept after it, kept after it. And uh, we ran invader carts the first year, I guess, after we would come back. And then uh, after we went over with LaMelo, got us a deal with the, uh, BM to go over and run some of their carts. Uh, then we came back and decided you know, we need to get European stuff. I need, mm -hmm. I need to get a European cart and the whole package and, and start racing at a disadvantage here so that I'd be really ready when I got there. Right. And, and you know, in hindsight, it's kind of, I, I think really it's kind of like a, a fighter or weightlifter or runner or whatever that practice with extra weight on them. And then when you get ready to go to the main event, you take all that stuff off and you feel really sporty then. 
Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of thinking that's really sort of what happened. Yeah. You know, not that it was intentional that way, but in reality, it really turned out that way. Mm-hmm. Went over. Wow. Ran good. Wow. Wow. And the next time we went, I guess the first time we went over with Lamello's guys, uh, we finished like 12, 14th, somewhere right there. Uh, first year we went back and ran their equipment. Then uh, after that, I don't think we ever finished any worse than sixth. I think we mm-hmm. finished fifth and a couple of times, maybe sixth, something like that. Then we won. And, and you wound up with a, didn't you wind up on a Burrell when you won? Yeah, actually, uh, the BM thing lasted two years, okay. which was 74 and 75. And then uh, uh, Wealthy Italian bought BM and got rid of all the support drivers and factory drivers and everything, just had his son drive. Okay. And uh, so I lost my deal there. And when I did, you know, I already had the cart business going, whatever. So I called Miami and asked them if uh, I could get any factory help from them, if, you know, if we came back. And uh, I said, I'll, I'll import your engines and your carts. See, Perillo was never brought back in the United States. So there was no Perillo importer. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'll import Perillo and promote it if you'll give me some factory support when I smoke. I said, deal. He said, you got a cart yet? I said, no, I was going to call around and find out. He said, I'll call Bureau, they'll take care of you too for that. Nice. If you import Bureau and Perilla, we'll help you. And wow. so actually, Randy, I, I was thinking about it today. I really think, and this is crazy, but I think I was a top finishing Bureau driver the next three years. Wow. At the world championship. Okay. Not that I'm not gonna say I was the fastest because they had factory drivers, but those kids crashed out yeah right you got to <laughs> be fast you got to finish to finish first you know that's and they right wrecked, you know yeah and and yep. the year i won was a result of their the barrels top driver crashing out yeah you know and that's how i got the, the magic tires <laughs> yeah because he, did, he didn't need them anymore yeah you gotta yeah you gotta be there at the end when it counts yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it was crazy so you've reached the pinnacle of karting you're the world champion something no one's ever done and what's next? So you decide, well, it's time to move on to something else. And you transition to NASCAR, but not the normal way where you would yeah. gradually move up from one stage to the next, to the next and run a season here and run a season there. Right. You, you got some tutoring from an old NASCAR driver. And I want you to tell that story. Could you share with me one time? It's a fascinating story. And then you pretty much, after some testing, went out and ran a race. Am I pretty right on that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so uh, so share share with us how that all transpired. Well, it backs up a little bit. You know, the years that I ran in Europe, the World Championship karting thing, there was probably six or eight drivers that I raced carts against that within some of them as short as 18 months, some 24 months we're driving formula one cars over there. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple of them that one year, the one guy in particular, uh, uh, that I visited with a little bit, you know, trying broken Italian that I tried to learn over all the years. Uh, but anyway, he came there and I asked him, I was talking to, his, uh, DeAngelis, Elio DeAngelis. And I was mm-hmm. asking, what's, 
what's the dead gun Formula One like? And he looked at me straight in the face and said, Mike, it's just a big go-kart. <laughs> like, wow. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And so when when I got back from after winning the world championships, you know, that same year, uh, Aurora decided to didn't want to be married to me anymore. And uh, that that kind of crashed my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, all that was going on with the carting, uh, you know, the cart business and doing all this stuff is, it was weighing heavy on me. It was weighing mm-hmm. heavy on me. And mm-hmm. I, I got to thinking, you know, Elio and these other guys have gone and done professional racing and maybe I could do something like that. Maybe a, have a goal that I could go chase and just be something to sink myself into, get mm-hmm. lost in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started looking around <clears throat> everywhere and going to open wheel type race events and seeing if there was any opportunities and uh, had an op- offer offered to me to drive an open wheel car. And I was just before doing it when I got a phone call from a total stranger. And I think if I remember right, I think he was the editor of Car and Driver magazine. And uh, he said he'd been following my career and knew that had heard that I was out looking to get into some kind of professional racing. And he said, have you looked at the NASCAR thing? And I said, no, I really hadn't, hadn't had any interest in that and hadn't thought about it. He said, well, you really need to look at it because if you want something that's got a really good future, that's, that's the best thing here in the States. Mm-hmm. They said, if I work out a deal where I can, where you can go to a track and have somebody show you around and introduce you to people and whatever, would you go do it? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'd do that. And so I did. I went to Charlotte and they had a ex, you know, retired driver that picked me up at the airport and took me to an event that weekend and mm-hmm. showed me around, introduced me to people. I went and talked to Ricky Rudd. That was the first one I knew Ricky from karting a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I watched the race and I, it was at a short track. It was after Martin's and I thought, man, going around in a circle looks boring. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I told, I told my ex driver that and he said, well, I think it's a little tougher than you think it is. Like, yeah. If we work out a deal where you can get you to test one of these cars, uh, you, would you want to be interested in trying to do that? I said, well, that would help me make my mind up for sure. And uh, so they took me to a track and uh, we went out there and I ran the car around some and they thought I was doing great. I said, well, I didn't even run hard yet. Then I tried to run hard and I crashed that thing. Rode Atlanta all over again, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, this is, this is, this is bad. I'm bruised up. I didn't know, you know, you had seatbelts. I didn't know what, I didn't know seatbelts were like shotguns. You got to hold them really, you got yeah. them really tight. Yeah. So anyway, I said, man, I tell you what, this is a whole lot harder than I thought. Yeah. Good gosh, what is it, man? I, get, <laughs> I have found I have found the obstacle in my life that I can go try to pursue. And this this is a goal that'll be really hard to do. Maybe one I can't do. I'll just lose myself in it. So that was the beginning of it. The driver, uh, the ex-driver said, if you want to do this, he said, man, I'd be glad to help you. I'd love to help try to put together some, some uh, guys together and get us, get your car and go try racing. Wow. And so I sold the go-kart business and 
took all the money out of the cart business and went and bought an OU stock car and had a couple of guys working for me and that had worked in stock car racing before. I mean, they weren't top mechanics by any means, but but they were guys that were familiar with it and had been around a lot. And uh, so off we went to the racetrack with this uh, this car. And uh, I'll tell I'll tell on myself here too. Uh, before we got our car to the racetrack, my driver coach there uh, said, "We the same guy that you just tore up his car <laughs> here at this test." He's he said, "You know." If you, pay him something he'd take you to Atlanta and put you in the car down Atlanta and let you run down there I said okay let's go for it yeah so uh we went to Atlanta and watching practice I'd practice and I'd watch watching qualifying I'm standing on top of the big truck up there and guys are going out there running and Buddy Baker I remember Buddy he was one of the favorites and I saw him driving it looked like it sounded like he never lifted till he got halfway through this between one and two I thought, mm -hmm. well, no wonder he's running so dang fast. I'm lifting way back out there. Oh, no. So when I went to qualify, I drove that sucker down in there, and it started spinning out before I ever lifted. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. no. <laughs> didn't hit anything. Okay. But I didn't know about flat tires. I didn't understand that stock cars had an inner liner tire. So you didn't have a flat tire and not even really be able to tell you got a flat tire till you really lean on it. Yeah. So I'd do a bat turn, go back, and after I'd spun out, it didn't hit anything. So I'm gonna get me get back up to speed and I'm still gonna get me a lap. Well, crash. Oh no. <laughs> I had a flat right rear tire and didn't know. Oh, it didn't know. That, 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 that didn't end well. Yeah. So now I've I've wrecked twice, two times <laughs> on the track, and I've crashed both times, tore cars up. And uh my, my driver coach, he hadn't given up on me. He's, he's got a lot of confidence and faith in me. This and, kid, is, and, this kid and, is crazy. He's won a lot of races since yeah. his go-karts, and he's obviously not scared of anything. And you, um, didn't, and you didn't give up? No, I didn't give up. He, he worked out a deal for Riverside back then. It was the first race of the year before Daytona. So he worked out a deal with a guy that just, just started park kind of car and for me just to get some experience in it. So I went out there and, and drove – Cecil Gordon's car. Okay. Actually was running really good in motorboat. Hmm. Getting on really pretty darn good. So uh after that was Daytona. And we did the uh ARCA thing. And by now the old the old car, I, I didn't even tell you the the <laughs> funny one. The first time we took our car that we bought this used car, we took it all the way to Ontario and didn't make the race. Oh. Then we went back, they had the Phoenix race, it was a Winston West race that same, the next weekend. So we stayed there to run this Winston West race to try to get me some experience. Well, the guy that we bought the car from had taken it out there for us and he was looking after it and helping us with the car and all this stuff. So we're getting the race and we're running along there in the race and uh, just ready to get time to pit. and. My, my driver coach, he said, all right, you're going to pit here in the, in the next lap. And I got ready to come down pits, and he said, no, 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 stay out, stay out, stay out, don't pit. And I'm saying, what, what the heck, what's the matter, what's the matter? He said, said, John didn't buy any gas. He didn't think you'd last this long. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, no. 
<laughs> they didn't think you last. You wrecked everything you've been in. Every time you go anywhere, they didn't think you didn't think you last as long as anybody gas. Oh no, you didn't deserve a refill. <laughs> yeah, I didn't deserve a refill. So anyway, they oh, went got some gas. They went and got some gas, and I finished fifteen. <laughs> oh no, I finished fifteen. That's now we got now. In the meantime, so we take that car and Harry Hyde, my yeah. driver coach, knew Harry real good. There you go. Now we're getting he took, somewhere. He, Harry built this car originally. So yeah. he takes it back to Harry and says, ask Harry, can you go through this thing and spiff it up so Lake can run it at Daytona and Arca race? And he said, yeah, it just so happens I got all my stuff ready for Daytona. We're just sitting here with nothing to do. So we'd be glad to fix it for him. So they fixed this car up and we went to Daytona. And I had to own one of the very few big full-bodied Chevrolets and everybody else had Oldsmobiles and little narrow Oldsmobiles and stuff to run on speedways. Right. I qualified fifth and led almost all the race, had the entire field except for one, their past champion was only one that was on the lead lap with me at the end of it. That sucker really drafted good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, it drafted way better than the go-karts drafted. Yeah. Amazing, you know. Old Harry, was, old, old Harry knew what he was doing, didn't he? Oh yeah, Harry knew what he's doing, and you know, the, the, they. I didn't know. All I did was I was driving this thing. It was just like yeah. to me then. It was more like a cart. You know, you just okay there. They put it out there, and you just go drive it. Yeah. You know, I I learned as time went along. There's a whole lot more to it than just driving it. You better right. set up and the chassis stuff is everything. You know. Yeah. But anyway, we did really well in the race. Uh, actually. Physically, we won the race. Arca took it away from me. Why? We got it on tape and everything. It, it's crazy. I'm in, I'm leading the race. Only one guy in the lead lap with me. And it was a big crash. Big crash. It looked like those old movie. Uh, uh, I forgot the name. An old war movie, you know, and all those blown up stuff. Cars yeah. were smoking everywhere all around the track. They're, they hadn't even cleaned up or nothing, you know. They, the, the officials came down, told my pit crew and everybody to go to Victory Lane. And I came around, took the, you know, under caution, you got the caution and a yellow flag, no, the caution, the yellow flag and a white flag. So yeah. all I got to do is drive back around. And yeah. It's over, right? Right. So, all right. So I come back around and when we get to about the entrance of Pitt Road, I looked up and the dang flagman has got a green flag in his hand. What? After you already got the white? After we've already got the white, he's got a green flag in his hand and he starts waving that green flag. I mash the gas and I, it won't go. I'd run over some debris and cut uh, down the rear tire. No. I was running, I was running on the interliner. The uh, other guy shot by me and won the race. You know, they gave him the race. That's crazy. Yeah. So I never run another ARCA race after that. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I, Dick Brooks was the announcer and he said, boy, that's going to be a whole lot of unhappy people. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Down on yeah. pit road after this is over, said, I've been around racing a long time. I've never seen anything like that's, that. Uh, that's sure enough. Anyway, I, I so that was my introduction. That was my yeah. introduction to it. Man. So, so you get into NASCAR and, and uh, of course, I always, I always say you have the most popular second place finish in the history of the Daytona 500, the year you won. I think you got second and was Elliot won it, right? Yeah, Elliot. We were the only two cars on the lead lap there. Yeah. And then, of course, your win at Darlington. I mean, yeah. you know, that your, your emotions through that period. And, and, and the Darlington win was with your own car, right? 
Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Which is it's, not it's too a lot many of crazy people. Can... Stuff happened. And, you know, my career. I started out with my own car. I ran my own car and you know limited schedule in uh, eighty. Uh huh. Actually, the first race I tried to go run was in seventy nine. I was a couple of races ran in seventy nine, but eighty was the first time you know Daytona five hundred or whatever. We took our own car there and we ran a limited schedule that year, and uh, then the next year we ran another limited schedule. And I was I was done. I'd spent everything I had and mm -hmm. I loaded up what we had left and we hadn't sold and put it in a truck and sent it back to Mississippi and thought, well, my career's over. It's it. Mm -hmm. you know, it was fun and we tried it, we didn't make it, whatever. Yeah. Over yeah. the winter, over the winter, uh, kind of not a starting part, but almost a starting part team called me up and asked me if I wanted to drive for them the next year and run all the races. And I said, I don't have anything else to do. Yeah, let's do it. So I went and ran for them. Uh, and we ran good from time to time, even though we were using used tires and uh, used up motor parts. There was a couple of high school kids were putting the motors together, but it just happened to be in North Wilkesboro, North Carolina, and the team owner did contracting work for Junior Johnson. Okay. So he was, get, he was getting used parts from Junior when they get, after they were through with them, they would, <laughs> he was wow. running out of there out of their trash pile so every once in a while we'd have something that'd fly yeah and uh so that got some other people's attention some other owners attention and then at the end of that year i got offered to be able to go run that number one car and yeah that so was a drove, sweet ride drove, yeah drove for a horse yeah i can't tell you there was at least three or four races we should have won yeah car just circumstances kept us you know uh, you flat were, tire, drop a valve have a flat tire whatever you were always competitive I, we were I, really competitive with that car those guys really taught me how to race stock cars they they, they were good and they they really taught me. i so I'm, I'm i'm trying to remember and it might have been the year before that you're talking about the 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 uh, the smaller team but i remember you having a sponsor was it yazoo mowers Yep, yep, yep. The Yazoo lawnmowers. They made Jackson, Mississippi. Right. Yazoo, right. man. That was awesome. I love that. Yep. Yazoo yep. mowers on the side of Lake's car. That was right. cool. And I tell you what, even that second, you know, the first year I ran, I finished, I think, seventh and eighth, the two races at Darlington as a rookie. Yeah. It was crazy. We, I had a, several, you know, top 10 finishes and uh, as a rookie. And you know, back then they wouldn't say a word about you if you're if you're if you were young and a rookie and you didn't get any publicity for it at all. It was kind of interesting. And second year with our own car, we led a lot of Talladega one year with the second. I think it was the second race down at Talladega. I remember. Was it a, you had like an orange '66 or something with yep, no sponsor? Yep. Orange '66 was what we started with. As and, our car. Yeah, and I remember watching you at Talladega, and I'm thinking, man, what? What's Lake doing in, in, in Talladega, man? And, and, and you know, he's does he have experience? Can he do this? And I'm watching the race, and you're in the lead pack. Yeah, we ran good. We always oh my ran gosh. pretty good. Yeah, most of the time. So it was it was a struggle always, you know. Yeah, it, I, I guess that's the kind of the uh, you can get. I always tell people, said you can only shoot. I only need one silver book. You know, I don't have to have. I don't have to have a whole lot of them. If you aim real good with yeah. one, you can do good. There you go. But, there, right. but there's one part that's really hard, and that is the pit stops. Yeah. Uh, the the teams that that had the dollars and the personnel, 
they beat you to death when it came to pit right stop. right but it was like the year the first year we raced there at uh indianapolis you know i, I think we qualified third and i took the lead in second lap and led to the first caution and then when i came out of the caution i went in lead and i came out 10th yeah, yeah you know then the next exactly. time you pit came out 15th <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly you know, it's, 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 there's a lot there's a lot more to this stock car thing than just oh yeah and you see that even you see it even today in reverse you'll see a guy come in 10th and he'll come in 10th and come out fourth you know um so what what triggered it or what motivated you to start your own team how did that come about well like i said uh, that was the only option i had really yeah i mean there wasn't anybody jumping up down wanting wanting this kid to start a stock car deal and i turned down a contract to run an open wheel car because you just didn't know back then the sponsorship stuff but, for those series is you didn't know if that series going to make it through the season or not much less be around the next year but when you uh, got open wheel stuff was terrible back then when you got when you had the 83 with a win sponsorship this just wasn't a guy starting a race team this thing was competitive it was first class oh yeah we 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 were still on about 25% of the budget that people were racing against that we were racing against. But that year was the only year where we were getting a little factory support. We already had, had, had some cars and stuff. Uh, I, what the heck? I'm getting confused. We had to start the whole darn team. Yeah. Uh, 85 was the Daytona Cinderella story. Yeah. Same team fired me four day, four races into the next season. But that wasn't on with your car. That was that was with the one, right? That was Raymock. No. That oh, that was Raymock, the 75. 75. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 75 yeah. car. Yeah. I went, yeah. The one car only ran limited schedules. So yeah, 75 okay. bunch came to me That's and offered right. me, offered me, you know, they said, look, you know, we, we won't, we're going to run all the races. If you want to run all the races and run for the championship, you know, come drive for us. Yeah. And I had a couple other teams that will want me to go and drive for them, but they were running limited schedule. Mm -hmm. So I, I went with the one with the full schedule. Ran, I think we finished 10th in the points that first year with them. Uh, then the next year, uh, like I said, four races in, uh, they fired me. So yeah, now I'm sitting at home with nothing. Yeah. I thought, again, the career's over now. This is done. I'm, you know, there's no, yeah. no, no spots open. There's nothing to it. Nothing I can do. And this is where, uh, you know, I, my story goes, I got saved. I made a commitment to Christ in 1983 and felt like God was going to take, I, I thought God was going to take me out of racing and turned around and he said, no, you know, I, you're going to race for me now, not your old selfish, <laughs> self, not your yeah. old selfish self anymore. Yeah. So he, he did a lot of wonderful things with me in the, in those next few years there with in the horses bunch and, and yeah. one car and whatever. But, when uh, when this all happened and I'm sitting at home doing nothing, I'm sitting there trying to dig a flower bed by the house one, one day and <clears throat> felt like God spoke to me and said, Blake, nobody's gonna hire you. You're gonna have to do your own team. Wow. And I kind of chuckled and said, and I said to them, I'm talking to the Lord here now, you know, not out loud, but we're talking. And I said, well, you know, it costs a lot of money to do this. And he said, you just start doing today what you can do today and you let me take yep. care of it. Wow. And I, I had a, I bought old bulldozer to, cause we had a, we bought old abandoned farm when we moved here 
And uh, so I had this old bulldozer to clear pasture with and trying to make some pasture places for the recent one and a couple of horses. So anyway, I got out there and I said, well, Junior Johnson's the most successful car owner in the business right now. And his, his shop is about a hundred yards behind his house. So I, got, <laughs> I got a hill back there about a hundred yards behind the house. I think I'll make a flat place out of it to put a building on. Yeah. So I graded that thing and uh, I had a, 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 a friend that I'd met in town came out and said, I understand you're talking about starting a race team. And I said, well, I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but that's, I kind of told him the same I just told you. And he said, well, you need any help. I'd be glad to try to help you. And so he gave me some guidance and direction on preparing the, uh, the ground dirt work and everything. And mm -hmm. actually loaned me some equipment to do it with. And uh, or you know it, I get a letter in the mail, Randy, and uh, there's a letter in there and a check. And uh, an investment my dad had put me in years and years and years oh ago. Oh my never, gosh. That I'd never seen a penny from. Oh. Never, never seen a penny of it. The other people that were involved in it decided to liquidate the company. Wow. It paid for building the building, putting all the equipment in it. And that was it. Wow. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there saying, okay, this is good, God, this is good, I understand yeah. this, I understand you're good, but you know, <laughs> yes, you know, you know what it takes to make this, it's yeah. got, you got to have sponsorship to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, just do what you can do, let me take care of the rest of it. Wow. That's awesome. A little later, as we're building the building, I mean, people start driving up the driveway, saying they've heard that I was going to start a team, and they want to know if, if I wanted them to help. And I, told him I said I don't know I just told him the facts you know where it was I mm -hmm. said well we want to help and so a bunch of race car people built the building <laughs> put it all together and we went to some auctions and bought equipment auctions mm -hmm. and th this all started this we started building that building in July like a, a couple of days after the 4th of July mm -hmm. and we had the first car on the racetrack testing in December at Talladega That's and impressive. I ran the first the first time on the racetrack I ran the fastest I'd ever run ever wow big way and uh then a then a guy that I'd been involved with uh as a PR person back when we had the nationwide thing uh had called me and said like uh you need a sponsor by a chance he said this company I've been working with is wins outfit is not happy where they are and they want to move somewhere else. And I said, I sure do need one. And they brought the sponsorship. Oh man. And so that's what a, what a story. And and you know, in the first five races we ran in 88, we led every one of them and yeah. were positioned to win every one of them. And then when I finally did win at Darlington, it was kind of like, well, gosh dang. Yeah. I'm so close. Finally, you know, you finally, you know, you, you win one. Well, and and I know you said you you were a team with 25% of the resource the resources, but you were 100% delivered on the track, man, because that car was always competitive. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it was. Fun. It was. It was good. And we had a bunch of really good guys that that we hired a bunch of people that really most of them didn't have a whole lot of experience, but they had yeah. a whole lot of heart. 
and they worked their butts off and wow. did really well. And by the end of 88, there was big teams trying to hire my guys away from me. <laughs> you know? Oh, sure. sure. Yeah, they would, they, yeah. Would, you know, they, they, they stayed true. They wouldn't go. Well, if you, if you had to think of one thing, Lake, that you learned and developed in karting that really helped you in, in NASCAR, what do you think it would be? Not one, it's everything. Yeah, okay. Everything. Karting is the best tool or school for racing that there is. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally convinced of that. There's no question about it. The Everything about it. I mean, the, the fact that you're sitting on something that doesn't have suspension as such, and you're feeling inch, every little bit, everything, and you're involved with all of it. Uh, maybe not so much today in modern karting because I, I, you know, go out here to GoPro and whatnot and to modern kart races and watch these guys. And uh, a lot of them got professional tuners and stuff now. Mm -hmm. Almost like the <laughs> stock cars having a crew chief and all right. that. Right. Oh, yeah. No, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. But it's still it's such a hands-on thing. Mm -hmm. I think that you develop those skills and they transfer right over. It's just like Elio told me. So it's just a, a Formula One car, just a big go-kart. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. These, yeah. these other cars, if you can drive, if you can race competitive today, competitively in carts today, I dare say you can race with anything. Yeah, I, I believe that. Yeah, I really believe it. If, if you're really, if you're one of the cream of the crop in the carting thing, if you get the opportunity, there's only one thing that I think that, that I've seen hold some people back through the stock car thing was, and that's fear. Mm -hmm. Some people, when you start going 200 miles an hour, <laughs> yeah. they they don't like that. And, you know, back in the day when I was doing it, it wasn't unusual for us to lose somebody every year. Oh, no, that's right. That's and right. It was. It was very dangerous. And yeah. Compared to today, it was real dangerous. Well, and you look at Formula One back in the day, too. You're talking about the well, drivers. No, they, race was, they were dying all the time. Yeah. They, they, it was even worse, yeah. Well, that was one of the reasons I didn't go the open wheel route, too. Yeah. I've seen all those people, the legs all mangled up and whatever. And I thought Indy, to myself, I mean, Indy I car was, said, yeah. yeah. I thought to myself, those guys don't care too much about the drivers. Yeah. It's going to look like, you know, they just get them another driver and build a car and go again. They, they I, have... I, I went to the, uh, down in the basement in Indianapolis, they got a basement underneath the uh, mm -hmm. museum. Museum, mm -hmm. museum. Yeah. And it, they had that, uh, turbine car down there mm -hmm. and that turbine car to me looked like it was a aluminum i-beam like, you see under, a bridge, <laughs> like yeah. a, under under a bridge you know just, yeah. just an i-beam yeah and they and they put the motor on the inside and put yeah. the driver on the outside right and and what they called a roll cage looked to me like about three eighths inch tubing yeah that just kind of formed a little of a net thing that he sat uh. in I thought to myself no uh -uh, uh -uh. Those guys had no fear, man. It was it was crazy. They've, but but both both Formula One and IndyCar have come a long way in that respect yeah. for sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I got to tell a story. Uh, last summer, uh, when Jeff Brown had the vintage race out at Newcastle, I went out there to help him, 
I do the announcing. I'm walking through the pits and I see you up there in your trailer. I thought, ah, you know, it's a vintage race. Everybody's low key, won a bench race. I got to go see my old buddy Lake. And you probably don't remember this. We'll walk up in the trailer. Hey, Lake, how's it doing, man? How you doing? It's good to see you. And he looked at me, oh, real good, Randy. How are you? And you kept working. I was talking to you a little bit. And finally, you looked at me and you said, Randy, I got work to do. I can't talk to you right now. <laughs> I said, all right, I get it. I get it. I'll get out of your hair. And we talk later, but it, you know, I, I wanted to touch a little bit on your, you're a vintage karting enthusiast now that you're out of the big cars, but you're not just an enthusiast, you're all in with vintage karting. So talk a little bit about that and, and your vintage karting and what you like about it and, 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 and how you're involved. Well, the vintage stuff is just fun to go back and I, I tell people it's like going to a high school reunion or, or, uh, a veterans reunion or something it's yeah. only is we get to bring our carts and run the guys that go to a veterans thing they can't bring a tank or machine gun or nothing <laughs> right <laughs> so right we can show up and bring our old stuff from the old days <laughs> and get out here and play and have a ball just I have love, more fun i mean just shooting I, the breeze yeah. and visiting with each other and the, yeah. the stuff at night is great you know yep yeah just all the dinners and stuff and that's that's super good it's just all good it's just all fun and it's that, you know, some people get really serious about it, uh, the competition part, but for the most part, most people are, you know, just enjoying being there and doing it, you know? And right. Our age to be able to do this, we're having more fun than anybody our age doing anything, I bet you. Yeah, oh, I, I would agree. So, you know, we both know Mike Deason and he's a he's a heck of a driver. He's mm -hmm. getting up there, but I knew Mike since he was about six years old, him and his, his, his family. Wow. But I want, I want to tell you a story about Mike Eason and Lake Speed. So uh, I'm at the, at the Newcastle race. I'm calling the races and the Sea Opens come out. I think it was Sea Open. And Mike is chasing you around the racetrack. And you guys are getting after it. He's right on you, man. He's t sticking his nose in here and there. And I think you ended up winning the race. But I talked to him afterwards. And I said, hey, man, having some fun out there with Lake Speed. And he looked at me dead serious. He says, Randy. I was racing against Lake Speed. I go, I know. He goes, that's the most awesome thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> he, he, he just, just the idea that he could get out there with you and you're on that racetrack and, and you're a legend, man. I mean, there's no, you're a very humble man, but you're a legend. And he was, and he, and, and he was a, he was a, he is, he is a heck of a driver, but it meant as much to him to go out there and race with you in that, in that climate you know, of, of vintage carts, but, but not something you just put, put, puts around with. These are C open machines and get with it. And it's a handful, right? And he's out there with you. He says, I had more fun out there doing that with Lake than I have any race I've, I've run. So I think that says a lot, not just for vintage karting, wow. but for you. That is, man. That's amazing. That's amazing. He, I've, he, I've really, really been impressed with, with him. And uh, at some of these vintage deals, I've taken the, uh, I've, I've, I found a guy in Europe, uh, got me a frame a, the same frame same model frame that i won the world championships with right uh he sent it to me and i it missing a lot of parts but anyway i got the thing put together and where i could run it and the first time i took it to the track we went down to uh the one in, in florida which with uh jacksonville about his about his track oh no, bush now bush now bush now i went down there it's a couple of years probably about three years ago yeah and uh Got down there and, and I put a uh, K30 direct drive K30 engine on it, 
And so I'm down there and I'm saying, well, okay, now how in the heck am I going to get this thing started? And so anyway, Mike was there and he was volunteering. I'll start you. I'll push you. I'll push you. <laughs> so every time <laughs> I went on the racetrack, I'd go, hey, Mike, come get me started. Yeah. yeah. Get me started. And so then after I'd run a little while, I said, Mike, why don't you take it? Go run. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. And he went out and ran, ran. He came back with a big grin on his face. Yeah. You know? And, uh, he's a good guy. He's a really good we're, guy. We were at Barnesville uh, one year down there too, I guess. And uh, I think it was the first time he came down there with Lynn. And Lynn said, like, let, let Mike drive your CO. Yeah. I thought second. He said, I promise you, he won't tear it up. He, he's, he's a really good driver. Yeah. And I said, okay. And I, Lynn said, you, you say you want me, want, want me to do that favor? I'll do that. So I put him on there. He went out there and ran some. He came in, and I'm telling you what, you talk about a mule smiling like a mule eating briars. That boy was fired yeah. up. <laughs> he said, that's the most fun thing I ever yeah. had in my life. You know. He, he said to me, he says, how did those guys drive those carts back then? I said, you had to see it to believe it, Mike. I said, it was amazing. That That's Hard late. Work. The Sea Open race with you and Burden and you know, back in the day, Pete Burlett and Junior. I mean, that was everybody went to the fence for that race. It was just oh, yeah. incredible. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, well, it, you know, we kind of wind down this podcast, but I always ask my my guest, what has carding meant to you over the years, and what does it mean to you today, Lake? You know, it's it's hard to put that in words, but uh, it has been, I guess. You know, I, I should have prepared better for this, but no, you, you, you listen, you prepared very well. I've, I've really, really enjoyed some of your, your stories and memories. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. Harding has been a foundation for me. It's been something that I think has given me purpose. It's given me enjoyment. It's given me fulfillment. It's given me opportunity to meet people and go places that, most people just, most people don't even dream dreams that big. Right, right. And carding has been the, been the source of everything. I mean, I've, carding has taken me from to Hong Kong, to New Zealand, to Mexico, to all mm -hmm. over Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's ridiculous what what it's done and you know having the business and the carding business you know had had a lot to do with that but uh self-confidence uh, i i rarely run into anything i don't think i can do because i've seen other people do just yeah. about anything and yeah. everybody's got two arms and two legs is none of us or had anything God hadn't gifted anybody any special items, you know. Right. So uh, I've I just met some awfully good people. Yeah. And uh, it's just stuff you know you just it's hard to measure, Randy. It's really hard to measure. Uh, I don't. I can't imagine my life what it would have been like without carding. That's no clue what it would have been like. Uh, very, very well said, Lake. And I, I think that speaks volumes for the impact Cardin's had on your life and still does to this day. And that's the still today, today, you know. Yeah. I, you know, at the GoPro and there's these young kids out there that are racing carts all over the country. There's a bunch of we got some really, really 
talented drivers oh yeah race yeah. out of this this facility here mm -hmm. and they, they go anywhere and, and are competitive and absolutely one kid, one kid out here has been going to europe and doing well he won a bunch of stuff over in europe yeah mm -hmm. but uh yeah yeah very well said from time to time they come by and they look at you and say shake the head you know because i'm still got a card out there and i'll go out yeah a little bit every yeah. now too but uh, oh yeah it's yep. uh it's interesting to say the least you know we sure. still still have an impact and platform and trying to remind people you know what's really important is uh where you're going to spend eternity this yeah card, exactly carding's great life's great but where are you going to spend eternity this is just a qualifying event this is not the main <laughs> right show. This is this not world championships. <laughs> no, this isn't the final. This this no, is these are the this is the qualifier. You're exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Yep. Well, Lake, this is I knew it was going to be great. I didn't know it was going to be this great, but I oh, I've thank you so much. I've enjoyed the stories and um uh, people have to understand you are you are living proof that you can start with an idea and persevere and have great success and great memories and you've you've done all that and you're such to me you're you're one of if not the greatest karting story because you've you've gone full circle you started in karting you made it to the top you got into nascar you were you were as good as, as anybody in your day and now you came back and back you're getting, home i'm back you're, home you're back home to karting uh yeah any any before we wrap it up like any parting comments at all anything else you want to cover or say mm -hmm. There was something I can't remember what it was. <laughs> well, this listen, is bad. this is bad. <laughs> I'm going to throw a teaser out there and I haven't, I talked a little bit to Lynn about it, but I would love to have you and Lynn do a podcast with me and I'm going to name it the, the world champion tourists. And we're going to talk about the world championships and what you guys went through. I think that'd be a heck of a show. All right. I'll give you a heads up now on that. Lynn went several times later after me. Yeah. And and sometimes when he's telling stories, I think he gets confused with some of the other guys. Look, it's like we some all of the stuff is over there too. We all we all get confused. He told me about the trash can. He swears the trash can never moved from the time he went after you guys were there. The one I know, he used for the car stand. Back, yeah, he went back a couple of years ago and said it was still there. It's still there after 20 years or 30 years or whatever. I know. Yeah. That's funny. Man, uh, I'll tell you what. Yeah. No, well, listen, Lake, this is uh we had some it, awesome time. Oh, you did. And this is this has been a good night, buddy. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And you're very welcome. It's always a blessing to me to go back and relive how blessed I am. Yeah, for sure. And I hope how faithful God's been. Yeah, I appreciate that. And uh and hopefully we'll cross paths this summer at a vintage race or something because I'd love to visit oh, with yeah. you. And I'll I'll try to catch you when you're not wrenching on the cart, but you get a little testy when you start interrupting you. Well, I don't cart. know. I don't I'm not sure which race it was. It was this last one that we were at last year was probably the most disastrous weekend I, I've ever I, had. I think you were working, race. you were working on the brakes and it wasn't going well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This was it. This, this, <laughs> this was, that was the race from, you know, where, Yeah. because every, everything we had broke or something yeah. happened to it. And yeah. normally, so in the past, everybody's always saying, well, Lake just shows up and doesn't do anything but put fuel in it and go out and win the race and it's over. Yeah, you know, it never breaks. Nothing ever quits. <laughs> never has any trouble. I had everything that could go wrong went wrong that, yeah. week, that weekend. It was That's hard. Funny. Yeah, well, it wasn't funny then, but yeah, 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 good stuff. But I apologize for having to be short. But you know, my son doesn't get to go with me very often. 
Blake Jr. comes with me sometimes, and that was that was a race he was coming with me. He came up there to race yeah. with me, and I had him two carts and running him in two classes, and stuff was breaking every time he went on the race. No, I don't. So don't I was just working my behind off trying to keep him on the racetrack. That was. Yeah, you do not owe me an apology. I got a kick out of it because I realized how serious you were. I said, man, I, I'd love to visit with you, Randy. I just don't have time right now. I said, man, I get it. It's okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was all good. Yeah. I was working on a break. I'd never worked on before. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I well, want to learn something. <laughs> yeah. Well, good deal. Bless well, you, man. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah that, uh, that wraps up another episode of Racing with RK. We want to thank our special guest, Lake Speed. Be sure to say a prayer for our first responders, policemen, firefighters, hospital workers. They need our support now more than ever. And remember, racers don't last forever, but racing memories do. On behalf of my guest, Lake Speed, this is Randy Kugler. Catch you next time. Take care, everybody.